following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I'm persuaded if I could only teach one thing to God's people for the rest of my life, I would teach on firsts. If I could just teach one thing, I would teach on firsts. You say, why? Because Matthew 6, says, seek the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness. Are y'all hot? Me too. Can we turn the air on or is it? Or can we get some church fans or, I mean. That's that fire. I feel fiery. So uh, we got one screen out, so stay over here. Yeah, if we can cut the AC on, that'd be awesome. Uh, people are looking at me like, we are on fire. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. This is, I, I really need you to really understand first fruits. It's not about just giving, even though that's a big part of it. So if you don't have any money, touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to need some cash today before the end of the service is over. <laughs> it's about pausing once a month to celebrate God's time God's time, God's space, and God's alignment. And to step into cycles of blessing. This month actually is the month to shout, my blessing is on the way. I just dare somebody to go ahead and shout, my blessing is on the way. Touch your neighbor and say, if you don't want yours, just send it on my way. The thought for this month is righteousness. Righteousness. The alphabet that goes with this month is Sadak, which means righteous, righteous one. This is the month to establish ourselves in righteousness, which allows us to step into the fullness of God's blessings and move forward. Seek the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness. We got to really get this. Not just seek God first. His righteousness. We got to understand it. We got to establish ourselves in it so that we can move forward with God. This is the month of trees. Where the first of trees are celebrated. That's why the scriptures talks about we shall be planted as trees of righteousness. Psalm 1, anybody old school got a Bible? What the old school got a Bible? Old school. Yeah, come here, yeah. You, yes, ma'am. Pull up Psalm 1. I didn't get this on my notes. You're going to help me preach. Give her the mic, let her read a Psalm 1 right there. Boy, I hope that's the King James, the real Bible. <laughs> Just teasing. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. 
meditating on it day and night. They will be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves ne never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of the judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bears fruit in every season, not like the wicked, who's like the wind that's driven away. In other words, you will be firm, established in righteousness. So, I want to take just a few moments and let's look at it and step into it. At the end, we're going to offer first fruits giving. Then we're going to pray and minister for anybody that needs ministry. We're going to be doing baptism. But something I believe God wants to shift in us today to establish us firmly in righteousness. It's been a real aha moment for me personally. Matthew 5 is a good starting place. Here's what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's two interesting words there. One, blessed, which is a Hebrew word, ashri, which means happy. Happy. The word came to us two weeks ago. Last decade, God made you strong. This decade, God's going to make you happy. Touch somebody and say, you're about to get happy. Another word, righteous. Sadak. Righteous, sadak. Acts of righteousness, sadaka. So somebody say, sadak. Sadaka. When you begin to look at scripture, thoroughly look at scripture, righteousness is always tied to generosity. Righteousness is tied to generosity. 2,106 scriptures confirm this thought. 2,106 scriptures. This is more than faith, prayer, heaven, or hell put together. 2,106, and i got to hurry to get them all in today. 2,106 <laughs> scriptures confirm or tie the fact of righteousness tied to generosity. Unfortunately, in the Western world, we don't understand righteousness, and I believe that's why we're not blessed as we should be. Because in our Western mindset, because of our theology here in the Western world, most of our righteousness is tied to belief or doctrine. So we try to affirm our righteousness doctrinally. Now, I understand saved by grace. I understand that doctrine. But what's happened is most of us try to tie righteousness to a belief or a faith or, or a doctrinal understanding of righteousness. So if I've got my doctrine right and keeping all the rules right, then this is what establishes righteousness. But that's far away from the biblical kind of righteousness. This kind of righteousness puts belief and faith at a high place, but unfortunately, even the devil believes. 
So belief alone doesn't establish righteousness because my Bible says faith without works. Faith without works is dead. In Jesus' world, faith was never about what somebody believed. It was what they actually demonstrated. In Jesus' world, faith was demonstrated by love. Hence, in Jesus' culture, where righteousness or faith was never a noun. It was a verb. Actually, if you study the Greek structure, faith is not even a noun. It's actually faithing. The true definition of faith is not faith a noun. It's a verb, faithing. So in other words, if you really believe... If you really are a person of faith, that's not a noun describing who you are. It's an action describing what you do. And 2,106 times in Scripture, it's tied to generosity. Hang on. Kent, you're preaching really good right now. Hence, the early believers never called themselves Christians as a noun. Think about our culture. Who are you? I'm a Christian. Really? Why? Are you? Yes. Why? I believe in Jesus. So do demons. So do demons. That's why you can talk to people who say they believe but act like demons. right. You know them. You've seen them. And, the, and not, they're not truly established in righteousness, which is a faith and a transformation that brings about people living a different way. The cross was never a ticket somewhere. It's a way of life. But our Western culture has made it a ticket to leave somewhere and go somewhere. Not saying that's not part of the, part of the equation. But that's, that's not what it was, the, the only destination. The cross was a way to live. Jesus hence said, do you want to follow me? Pick up your cross. Follow me. Action. Verbing, not a noun. Now let's jump in here because i got 2,106 scriptures. Let me just show you a few of them. I won't go everywhere. Let me here, just, I want to show you how this ties together. It just blew my mind. Psalm 37, 25 to 26. I was young, now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. Watch. They are always generous and lend freely, and their children will be a blessing. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor their seed begging bread. Why? Because they are generous. And they give freely and they're continually lending to others. They're continually doing things for others that others can't repay them for doing. Hence, God says, you're righteous. And ties that together. So beautifully, so powerful. And so in other words, it would say, I have never seen a Sadak person 
forsaken because they're always doing sadaka. I've never seen a righteous person forsaken because they're always doing righteous things. How about Psalm 112? Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. These powerful promises of being established in righteousness tied to acts of generosity. Then I leaped over and saw these big repentance talks. And this is when it got wild for me. Look at Isaiah 1, 15 through 18. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. You say, who's the Lord, who's the Lord talking about? Talking to his people. When you come to worship me, I'll hide my eyes from you. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Even though you make many prayers, I'll not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doings before my eyes. Cease to do evil. And look how it's the, the tone changes. And when he starts talking about doing righteous, what is he talking about? Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. And plead for the widow. Generosity, righteousness, time together. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they be as crimson, I'll make them wool. When he calls the church to repentance, he's calling them into a righteousness, which is where we're doing things for others that they cannot do for themselves, expecting nothing in return. And when he calls us righteous, he ties it to the acts of generosity, making the world a better place to live in. Now, hang on. I see some of you starting to grade against me, but that's okay. I'm a big boy these days. I got my big pants on. I'm out traveling the state of Alabama. You say, what about morality? Morality's a good thing. Morality's a good thing. It blesses your life, but it's not in these 2,106 scriptures. It's a good thing. It's the way to live. I, I love morale. I love being moral. But when you start talking about righteousness, righteousness is not, let me put it like this, this here, let me capstate it. Righteousness is not what you abstain from. That's not what defines righteousness. Righteousness is actually what you do, not what you don't do. So much of our theology bases righteousness on what we don't do or abstain from instead of actually what we do do. We're sitting in the church doing nothing thinking we're righteous. Hope somebody turned air on. This one got me, John the Baptist. I love this one. I never loved this scripture till now. Here's John the Baptist. Here's his church. If you want to go to John, you want to go to a seeker-friendly church. When they, when they came to John the Baptist Church, here's how, they got, he, here's how he met them. He said to the multitudes that came out to see him, you bag of snakes. How about that for first-time guests? You bag of snakes. 
You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. And don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say that God can raise up these dead people that will be better children of God than you. My God, where's my coffee and cookies? I wasn't expecting this message. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Fiery preaching. John wasn't Baptist. He was Pentecostal. I said, oh, Pentecostal preaching. (laughs) So the people ask him, what shall we do? Well, come pray this prayer with me. Hello? Join the church. Come on. What must we do? If we're bags of snakes, vipers, Trees that acts laid through. What do we do? How do we repent? He that has two coats, give one away. He that has food, let him do likewise. Bear fruits of repentance. Established in righteousness. James 1, 26 to 27, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Don't you, can't you agree with me that most of our religion in the Western culture could have done a lot better if we'd bridled our tongue? Well, don't you say it would have done better if we'd acted more and talked less? Would you not agree with me that the best demonstration of the gospel of the kingdom is acts of generosity and kindness? Pure, undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble. Keep oneself unspotted from the world. Righteousness. 2,106 scriptures talk about righteousness tied to generosity where God calls his people to do for others what they can't do back for them in return. And God calls that righteousness. Let's go to the big one. You want to go to the big one? This is the biggie. This is like the culmination. This is Matthew 25. This is where the Son of Man comes in his glory. This is the one we talk about when the Lord's coming back. And all his holy angels are with him. And he sits on the throne of his glory. And nations gather before him. And he starts separating one from another as shepherd divides sheep and goats. And he set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation for the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then the righteous. Hello? Then the righteous will answer. How did we do this to you? The king responds, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Now, I'm I'm not picking a fight with you. I'm just saying, I was expecting something like, did you pray the sinner's prayer? But see, somehow, I believe we've let people buy in without selling out. 
That we, we make people, you just come say a prayer and confess Jesus and you're in this thing. That's not true, people. I love you, but that's not true. It's a good starting place. But true righteousness isn't saying a prayer thinking everything's all right. True, true righteousness is having such an encounter with God that you begin to live a righteous life, doing righteous things, living in the generosity and the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Then the other side, Lord, how did we miss out? How did we, get it? How did we not get in on this? Well, let me back up a minute. Here's what I loved about the righteous. They weren't doing it for reward or punishment. They didn't even know they were doing it for him. True morality and righteousness isn't doing something because you're going to not get punished or get a reward. It's doing it because it's just the right thing to do. Come on, somebody. The other side. Lord, how do we miss out? I was hungry. You didn't feed me. Naked, you didn't clothe me. In prison, you never came to see me. Sick, you didn't help me. King will answer, and so much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did not do it unto me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me. You cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's serious business. Now, here's something that's freaking me out about Jesus. He seems kind. Right? I mean, especially with sinners. I mean, he catches a woman in adultery, and he's like, things happen. Go and sin no more. Didn't beat her up over it. All the religious people were trying to beat her up over it, and he said, hey, you without sin, you want to get in on this party? But a woman in adultery, very kind, gracious. Hey, ah, that's messed up. Just go and sin no more. Woman, five husbands, living with the six or at the well. Jesus is like, you look like you could use a drink. <laughs> Let's talk. Kind, gracious. Right? But he runs up on a rich man. Who's got so much stuff that he's building another barns? And the reason he tells Jesus he's doing it, he said, I'm building more barns because I want to fill them full of stuff so that my soul can rest easy, so I never have to worry about anything and I have plenty of stuff. Jesus said, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you fool. Tonight, your soul will be required of you. Something about having stuff and not helping people gets us on the bad side of God in a quick hurry. I don't understand it all, but it's 2,106 scriptures. The only place in the Bible I ever find a public pronunciation of somebody in a hellish place, in a heavenly place, is a rich man and a poor man. Rich man fares sumptuously every day, poor man sitting at the gate, they both die. One goes to a tormented place. One goes to a blessed, blessed place. And when they start questioning, the Lord or the, whoever's in the story replies to the man, look, you had plenty of everything. The guy set you gate every day. You did nothing to help him. So there's a great gulf between you. How do you like that? Yeah. 
Scary, isn't it? So what I'm afraid of, I'm afraid we preach this gospel to people. And I know the gospel's free. I understand that. I understand salvation's free. I understand righteousness by position with Christ. But I'm afraid we've, as I said before, we let people buy in without selling out, without realizing what we're getting involved in. I'm not talking about a lower level of righteousness. I'm talking about a higher level of righteousness. You say, why is that a higher level of righteousness? If I can come say one prayer and it's over, I never have to think about it again. This kind of righteousness, I have to think about it every day. Every day I have to consider, am I going to live righteous or not? Did you know a thousand years before Jesus, the rabbis toiled over this thought? How can people in other nations ever know God and have not seen Torah or heard it? And they toiled a thousand years before the Messiah turns up. They're toiling, laboring over this thought. This is, you can read this in Hebraic culture. How can people in other nations that's never heard Torah, never been exposed, never seen a Torah, know God? And they came to the conclusion, it's a word called zechut. Zechut, kind and generous acts that are done not as a result of a command, but out of compassion for someone who can do nothing in return for you. They believed anybody that did zahut in that action, they would find God. Because they believed the whole Torah was summed up in love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you begin to love your neighbor in that, you would find God. Because they're tied together. Isn't that interesting? Which now brought me to this. How about this one? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I will actually say many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? But I will declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And what's that about? I'm not trying to read anything into it or take anything out of it. I'm just reading it as it is. Many will say, Lord, Lord. Have we not said that today? Many of us, Lord, Lord, we love you, Lord. Lord, Lord, we've said, we've confessed. So this tells me I can confess Jesus is Lord. And somehow not know him. I can even operate in power. Through the gifts of the spirit. And not know him. Question then remains for me. How do I know him? If it's not by confession. And it's not by acts of power. How do I know him? Now, when I read the scriptures and you start studying the subject, a lot of times there's several verses that speak to one topic. For example, marriage. Solomon says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Paul says, if you're not married, don't get married because you're asking for a life full of pain. <laughs> now, now, I guess the one with a thousand flipping wives are like, hey, it's a good thing for me, baby. That's Solomon, you know. 
Which is it? Which is marriage? Maybe it's both. You that are married, people that are married, they're not saying nothing. They're like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But there's many, when you study scripture, you, and then you take it in dialogue, and you come to the conclusions, you know, you take, the, take these scriptures, that's the way they are. But when it comes to knowing God, this has come from research. I know one man that took three rabbis, a research team, and two other pastors for several years on this one topic, how to know God. And out of all the scriptures, in the whole Bible, there's only one that defines it. No debate. One scripture in the whole of Bible that says this is what it means to know the Lord. Would you like to know what it is? Yes. Jeremiah twenty two sixteen. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is this not what it means to know me? declares the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Zekut. Knowing the Lord. There's only one more that could even be close to it, and that is 1 John 4, 7, that says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But they're again tied to love. 2,106 scriptures in the Bible tying righteousness to generosity. Doing, living a life, doing for others, especially those who cannot repay us or do it back unto us. Jesus preached it all through the New Testament. When you have a party... Don't invite those who can come around next year and invite you to their bar. Their ball. Bar. Did I say bar? Ball. Ball. Don't invite those that can come back and invite you next year to their big ball. Go to those who can never invite you back or repay you or do it for you. Gather those together and throw a party for me in their name and you see what I'll do for you. Now, see, I don't know about for you, but for me, this answers an age-old question in my life. How can people in other parts of the world, that in other religions, that's never heard the name of Jesus know him? Is it possible through Zechut they get to know the Lord? And on that day, Somehow they'll wind up on his side. I don't know. I'm just proposing. I think maybe church, we shouldn't get, I don't have all the answers, but I got some good questions. That's something good to think about, isn't it? I mean, let's, I don't want to, I shouldn't dive off here, but pretty much, pretty much diving. diving. I feel like I'm in mid-swan right now. There's no, I can't, I can't get back up. Let's say there's a, Christian lady in America named Betty. And let's say there's a Muslim in Iraq named Belkis. Betty, 
She's one of those Christians that you and I know she's a busybody. She's in everybody's business and she gossips and she calls it prayer. And uh, she goes to church every Sunday. She pays her tithes. She's on the women's auxiliary. But she's not fond of people that aren't her color. But she loves Jesus. She said the sinner's prayer. She seldom does anything to help anybody but herself. And she loves to go to prayer meetings in the beauty shop because both of them, they get to talk about each other. <laughs> Touch your nose, so he's off the deep end now. He's off the diving. <laughs> and you got Belkis over here who's living in a worn, war-torn country. And daily, she's serving the poor, meeting the needs of her village, Caring for orphans that their parents have been lost in war. And continually doing acts of generosity. Never been afforded to hear the name Jesus. Never been afforded a Bible. Yet somehow in her heart, she knows what's right. And is doing it. And they both happen to die the same day. And here's Betty and Belka standing before the Lord. I'm just saying. hungry and you fed me naked and you clothed me sick and you helped me and in prison and you came to see me Lord I didn't even know I was doing it for you <sighs> I'm so glad I got to meet you now I didn't even realize who I was doing it for I was just doing it because it was the right thing to do. <laughs> Betty, you SOL girl. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm just teasing. Let me get back up on the diamond board. <laughs> Sincerely, if we had to stand before him today, not religiously, in reality, If I had to stand before the Lord today, am I living the life? Am I just, if I'm just lip servicing the Lord, 
or am I living the life? Am I living my life just for me? Or am I living my life for others? Is my belief and my faith just a noun, just a title, or is it in action? Do you know him? Do you know the Lord? These are great questions to ask ourselves to be established in righteousness. A very immature level of morality and righteousness is doing something in fear of punishment or in expectance of a reward. The highest level of doing it is doing it just because it's the right thing to do. And so here's what God does by His grace and goodness. When He establishes in righteousness, here's what happens. It's 2 Corinthians 9. Here's the way it goes. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Somebody say abundantly. So that all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Watch this. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Do you see that? Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here's how righteous people live. Here's how they pray. God, give me seed. They don't pray for harvest. They ask for seed. God, give me seeds that I may live a life of righteous generosity. At the same time, give me food to eat so that I can live and maintain my family, but also live as a righteous man or woman in the earth. And when God blesses us, and he does, I mean, you cannot deny this. Our question is simply this, Lord, is this my food or my seed? Is this for me to eat or is this for me to sow in acts of righteousness? And you begin to live your whole life like that. And now when you begin 2,106 scriptures talk about the blessings and the power of this righteous lifestyle. Undeniable. And so I was so inspired. Now, I know we've got to go. And I'm not going to be coming out to the connection. I don't want to see anybody today. <laughs> I'm just teasing. This inspired me. This guy that I uh, follow, Rabbi, he said when he started his righteous journey 35 years ago, he took checks and put them in his drawer. And he wrote checks, one for $5, one for $10, one for $25, 
one for $50, one for $100, one for $1,000, one for $5,000, one for $10,000, one for $20,000, one for $50,000, and one for $100,000, and left them blank and put them in his drawer and said, God, I want to live as a righteous man in the earth. And as I live my life, I want to write these checks as you empowered me to do so. He said, my first one was $5. My next one was 10. My next one was 20. My next one was 50. He said, that was 32 years ago. This year, I wrote my, my, one of my final checks for $50,000. He said, will I get to write one for 100? I don't know. That's my goal because I want to finish my life as a righteous man. Is that not one of the most powerful thoughts in the world? Now you say, Ken, I could never write a check for uh, for $100,000. I know. I've had the same thought. There was a man in Germany suffering. His church was suffering under persecution. And I was praying for him, and they needed $100,000 desperately. And I said, oh, God, please send this man $100,000. Please. I said, Lord, if I had $100,000, I'd write the check. The Lord said, why don't you give him the 1000 you have? Let me worry about the 99. See, most of us never step into it because we think we can never accomplish it. That's why even my friends that are going through recovery, don't wait till you get through recovery to start this righteous lifestyle. Start with a pack of cigarettes. Fast them. Give me the $5. Let's put it in the kingdom. Begin to live a righteous life. And you watch God open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't even have room enough to receive. And your righteousness will endure forever. I know we've posed questions and answers today. But I'm believing by Holy Spirit that God is speaking to us of establishing a lifestyle of righteousness and this month as we step into this place of righteous being established in our righteousness Holy Spirit is going to do something significant and when we look back at the end of this month we're going to be able to shout my blessing not just was on the way but it came and God established my generosity for this year this month so that I could live as a righteous man and a woman in the earth and I'm believing by the time we get here next year you're going to get to look back and you can say I can't believe I got to live so righteously and do so many gener gener generous acts of kindness because my heavenly father shined his grace on me and gave me the ability to do it in the name of Jesus This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.